0: Hi there. Welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. How many times have you said to yourself, or perhaps to a friend, if you've ever had a failure in life, if you've ever not lived up to your best potential, have you ever said, well, I'm only human? That's a phrase that we often use uh, just to indicate that we're not perfect. And, And indeed, if we're comparing ourselves to God, as we often are, and implicitly comparing ourselves to Jesus, who we believe lived the perfect life, we know that part of being human means being fallible, making mistakes, not being everything that God wants us to be in many cases. So we use the phrase, I'm only human, in kind of a dismissive way. Well, today we're going to look at the concept of being human as not being only human, but talk about the glory of being a human, how important the human species is in the whole picture of things. Now, this is the second week of Advent. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of Christ, the incarnation, where the immortal Jesus took on a mortal body. And this is one of the things that sets us apart from so many other religions, our belief that God actually came down and shared with us the human experience. Last week, we talked about a couple of the verses from the Hebrew Bible that indicate the importance of being human. Uh, We began in Genesis with the concept that humans are created in the image of God. That's no small thing to be made in the image of the creator, of the ultimate being in the universe. And then we looked at the intimate relationship that God has with humans and the fearful and wonderful creation of the human being. The psalmist described it beautifully and talked about how we have this intimate relationship or can have this intimate relationship with God because of our humanity. Well, this week we're going to go back to one of the psalms, one of the best-known psalms, the eighth psalm. And in this psalm, which is attributed to David, the psalmist talks about the glory of being a human being. We're not chop liver, uh, to use one possible expression. We are a tremendous creation of God. And so the human aspect of Jesus' incarnation is what we're really focusing on for these few weeks. And then, of course, later we'll get into the story of his birth. But today we're in the eighth chapter of Psalms, the eighth psalm, again attributed to David. Uh, There are many kinds of psalms. This happens to be a psalm that praises God, uh, as many of the psalms do. Uh, I did find out this week a little trivia about the eighth psalm. It's the only psalm that is 100% addressed to God. The writer doesn't address any other listener or talk to himself or herself. The writer is addressing God throughout. It's a short psalm. And it has some important concepts in it that we're very familiar with. And it begins with some of the most famous lines from any of the psalms. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Now for many years I've read that and I just assumed it was a poetic device where the poet was repeating the word Lord for effect, for impact. Uh, Poets do things like this to really drill in. But as I was studying the psalm this week, uh, one of the things if you have a certain kind of Bible, uh, the NIV is what I use, the King James is similar to this, Whenever you see the word Lord spelled out in four letters, capital letters, L-O-R-D, this is the name Yahweh. This is the actual name that God has accepted for God's self. It's the name that he reveals to Moses. It is the holy name of God. So this is the address at the beginning of the psalm, the word Yahweh. But our Lord... This is the word Lord with a capital L, but the rest of the letters are not capitalized. And this represents the Hebrew word Elohim, which means God, as we might consider God in the lower case today, the ultimate supreme being. It could also be interpreted some other ways as well. But one translation of this uh, is Yahweh, our sovereign. In other words, a Lord as in the person who rules over us. So the psalmist originally did not use the same word twice. But he is addressing Yahweh. And he is addressing Yahweh as the sovereign God. So the beginning of the psalm has a very important purpose to it. It's again a hymn of praise. And it's not just repetition for repetition's sake. How majestic is your name in all the earth? Now, throughout the Hebrew Bible and in many ancient cultures, the name of a person was very important. Uh, That's one of the reasons why Moses tries to determine who God is, what God's name is. And it conveys uh, a real sense of power uh, when when you know someone's name and, and, and can use it in that way. And the psalmist says that the name Yahweh is a very powerful name. It is very majestic. Everyone on earth knows this name. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, when we talk about setting up God's glory above the heavens, uh, the psalmist is not talking about our concept of outer space. For the psalmist, the heavens means the sky, the area above us. They believed that the stars, the moons, the planets were entities that were above that even. And so God has established God's grace, God's power, God's glory above even this realm of humanity, of our concept of the sky and heavens above us. That the name of God is so powerful that it is something that uh, everyone knows, even children and their youth understand this power. It is so powerful that it protects the people of Israel from their enemies. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is man that you were mindful of him? So again, we begin this part of the psalm with the concept that God is the creator, is the overall power of the universe. And with all this great glory, with all this power, the psalmist raises the question that's at the heart of this psalm. What is man? Why are we considered worthy of God's consideration? When you think about how big the universe is, and as science has continued to reveal to us, just the other day, scientists increased the number of known galaxies by about 10 million. So as our limited concepts begin to start understanding just how great the creation is, We really have to wonder, what is it about this tiny race on this tiny planet that is worthy of God's consideration? Why would God even care about what's going on with humans? Well, I think part of that answer, again, as I said, you go back to the book of Genesis, you look at some of the other Psalms, we are created in God's image. God has a plan. God cares for this part of his creation. So the psalmist asks, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Now this is part of the parallelism that the psalmist uses, uh, whereas in a, our English poetry we often use rhyme and meter. That, those were not elements of Hebrew poetry, but the concept of doubling or repetition. What is man? What is the son of man? In other words, he basically is asking the same question in two different ways, that you care for him. And certainly, throughout the Hebrew Bible, throughout the New Testament, we see ways that God cares for humans. And we as Christians today believe that God cares so much for humanity that he was willing to give us the ultimate gift, which is Jesus. But what is man? That's the central question. Why are we considered so important? Well, where do we fit into all this? The psalmist begins to answer that with with the sixth verse of this psalm. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Well, we go back to the book of Genesis, and clearly, God creates from the bottom up. He starts by giving us the planet uh, that we're in, the light, and the day, the night. Uh, He begins to give us the, uh, the land that we live on, the oceans, the plants, and then The fish, the birds, the animals. The final crown of creation, the the last thing that God makes, is humans. The whole place was put together basically for humans. And this, of course, uh, parallels that, that we have been made to rule over the works of God's hands. Now, of course, for many millennia, People have looked upon this and have taken this uh, as being, well, we're the rulers, we can do what we want to, forgetting that really when we look at the Bible, that rulers have a very special responsibility to those they rule. The kings of Israel were expected to protect, to lead to do good things for the people of Israel. And throughout the Bible, great leaders have always been those who have done God's will, not arbitrary rulers. And this is something I think that sometimes we forget when we say, well, the earth is here to serve us, to serve at our pleasure. And we forget that we have a real obligation. One of the really good things that has happened during my lifetime has been the realization, I think, of the stewardship. Now, certainly nothing that has just been invented. Uh, Farmers have known for millennia to be good stewards of the land, to take good care of their cattle, of their crops, of their fields, because obviously they depend upon them. And people who live closer to the land, I think, don't have that sort of haughty atmosphere that I can do anything I want to, and the crops will still keep coming up. It doesn't matter if I overplant. I don't have to feed and water my cattle. They'll always be there. No, I think people who live closer to the land understand this concept perhaps a lot better than we do who are in an urban environment and don't always know uh, what's going on in this way. So in the order of the universe, according to the verses here, that we are a little lower than the heavenly beings. One translation of this is the angels. Again, this is the word Elohim, again, the concept that there are other heavenly creatures who are with God, the plural, the, 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 the ones who God addresses uh, in the book of Genesis when creating humans. We're not just dumb animals. Uh, we have self-awareness And that is something very special. This is part of the imagery of God that is implanted on human beings. We know that we're here for a purpose. We're aware that we are here, that we are capable of rising above instinct. We're capable of rising above our own selfish desires and being more like God. This is where we're put. So... This is a very important place in here. And now the psalmist ends the psalm with exactly the same words he began the psalm. Verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It wraps it up. It brings it to a conclusion. But the second time you hear these lines, you've been invited to think about the majesty of God and how it's revealed to us in this one very specific way that God created human beings in God's image to be a little lower than the heavenly beings and to be above or in charge of or responsible for the creation, the animals, the the environment around us, just to reflect on this. So being Only a human, being uh, only human, is not something to be used as a simple excuse every time we fail. Now, again, as I say, it's a very normal thing for us to do, and goodness knows uh, those of us who make a lot of mistakes are always thinking about things like this and realizing that we are not going to be perfect. We're not going to have that kind of perfection that we see in God or in Christ. But also, it shouldn't be considered that we are just insignificant, that we are always bound to fail. God created us in God's image and has given us the opportunity to do even better. Let's have a word of prayer. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you so much for making us a little lower than the angels. Thank you for giving us the responsibility of being in charge of the environment, and thank you for the potential that we have to follow you. Help us to live up to being human. In Christ's name, amen.